Gascast, a Bristol Rovers fans podcast. Hello and welcome to the final regular Gascast of the season. I'm your host, Hardy Thorne. Joining me today is Max Alderson and Tom Metcalf. After last week's largely positive episode, normal service will unfortunately resume today. Uh, Rovers took just one point this bank holiday weekend, which leaves us still in a relegation battle mathematically. Uh, let's jump straight into Wimbledon. Um, Wimbledon aside in good form and treading water in the relegation zone, battling for survival. We took a point after Joe Piggott opener was cancelled out by a signature Ollie Clark screamer. Mets, you made the journey. Uh, we'll start with you. We played a different formation of 5-3-2 with Partington at Wimback. Seems we tried to match them for physicality and it didn't work. No, it didn't work at all, really. Um, I will say Wimbledon are massive as a team. They are huge. And Partington at right wing back, just it didn't work whatsoever uh, at all. He couldn't get forward. He got forward once maybe in the um, in the second half and getting back, he was almost non-existent. Not that I could see at that end of the pitch anyway, but he just wasn't any kind of... Uh, any any role either role in a wing back he just wasn't defensively good or going forward he just wasn't existent so in that way it, yeah fell right on its ass I was actually going to say I haven't been to Wimbledon since the first game of the Paul Buckle season in League 2 but I hear the terrace leaves a lot to be desired I mean I'm a short ass I mean I'll <laughs> happily admit that and the terrace is so flat that you just can't see anything I could see our kind of box quite well but Anything up the other end of the pitch, I was looking through people's like heads and all that. I did manage to just about see Ollie Clark's screamer, which made the afternoon worth it, really. But the the only good thing I saw from being down that end of the pitch was um, their fans were like chucking the ball, like kind of like how Plymouth did when when um, Bonham went to go and get it for a goal kick, and they were one 0 up. They were chucking it up around the crowd, and some bloke went to go and gave give it to him, but then chucked it over his head to like big big uh cheers and then when we equalized and the ball came onto the pitch for a goal kick Bonham like the slowest walk going all of that and then everyone started cheering well Gas had started cheering him and he gave us a little wry smile it was an absolute beauty of a moment watching all the Wimbledon fans go mental um so yeah that was those two things were pretty much the highlight of my day I mean Max another rocket from Ollie Clark what a boost he's had since the Player of the Season award. Yeah, well, it definitely has seemed to give him a bit of a kick, um, and he seems to be getting into that final third a little bit more. Um, I don't know if that's due to the uh, boost from getting that Player of the Season of, of award, or if it's maybe um, Coughlin's grown tired of seeing Circum in that attacking mid role and him not being too effective there, and he's seems to maybe be playing Ollie Clark in that in that role, and it's it's getting results. Um, I'm not sure which of the two it is, but yeah, it's great to see him um, returning to Thunder Bastard form. Yeah, I think he's he's certainly playing a little bit further forward and we'll just move straight on from the Wombles game because there's a lot more to talk about on the Rochdale game. Um, I can hear your sighs. <laughs> <laughs> My um, eye roll was audible. Yeah, a, a really disappointing result yesterday, which of course went completely against all of our predictions. Um, in true gas cast form, uh, sees us remaining in the relegation battle. Um, this particular loss leaves us on our joint highest ever number of home losses in a season since World War Two, according to Max. Yes, that's what I heard on the radio, Radio Bristol, um, on the way home. So Max, Graham's been quoted in the media singling out the mentality of the side in these home games. Um, or in fact, not even necessarily the mentality of the side, more the issue of playing at home for everyone in League One. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, he 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 keeps seem he seems to be running the line that we've got this mental block at home, which is a funny way of saying we're shit. Uh, to be honest with you, um, <laughs> I've never heard you say something so brutally. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it's just excuses, isn't it? There's no you can there's a mental block. That's that's such a a, a faux pas, isn't it? It's it's like oh, I'm sorry, we haven't got the mentality to win games. It's not about the mentality to win games. It's about going out there and playing football. And we haven't attempted to do that at all in many home games. You know, we got, we've got had some horrendous results this season. Walsall, Southend, Scunthorpe, Wickham. Accrington, Wickham, Shrewsbury, uh, Rochdale. You know, I could go on and on and on. And these are all bottom eight sides. And we've said it time and time again on the podcast this season that, these are the games where a win would carry us right up the table. And in pretty much nine out of 10 of them, Bradford being the one out of 10, we've not got three points. And it, and I think that's, that's where the frustrations seem to stem from on, on uh, Monday and why fans seem to be far more irate at this result than other results is because it's a culmination of, you know, it's been happening all season and people are just fed up that it's happened yet again. You know, it's in our hands once again and we cock it up. And it's, you know, a mental block just seems like a really, really bad excuse to me. Bit of a cop hang, really, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You should just say, you know, we aren't good enough. Mm. And that's the truth. And, and what exactly, I mean, it's one of those weird manager things that gets said where this mental block at home, right? I mean, what is it? Is it exactly. large fans, uh, large amounts of fans there? Is it everyone putting pressure on them? Is it the TV screen not being there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure I mean, that is factoring yeah, into it, but you'd never hear DC saying, oh, there's a mental block. You'd say, we're not good enough. You'd come out and just flat mm. say it. So I'm a bit surprised to hear that from Graham. And actually, I can't really see anything. Like It's not like everyone's getting on the players' backs. It's not like when there were boos under Daryl at, at halftime and that. Everyone's reasonably supportive, except for, of course, of Nichols, because he's useless. But yeah, mental block, Just it just seems like bollocks excuse like max said really i mean Matt, it is frustrating isn't it because we finally gave the side credit last week <laughs> the manager credit last yeah. week credit to cufflin yeah. um immediately proved our concerns to be concerns yeah well i mean it's a, a another in the long line of terrible predictions we've had i think um yeah we've had a few howlers well actually when i said we should release ollie clark at the end of the season you then went and got season of the uh, Player season of the, season. of the player, yeah, yeah, you, can, of the player. you know what I meant, and uh, and then has been on decent form. So uh, the credit we've given to Cufflin, I think this is the this is exactly why we've all got question marks around him because although yeah, in all the things we said last week, uh, yeah, it was last week uh, about him inheriting an imbalanced side and all that, it's still. I don't feel like he was get. He definitely wasn't getting the best out of the players yesterday, and then come out with this mental block rubbish. We just simply weren't good enough, and you can't really see what we were trying to do against Rochdale. It wasn't like we had a game plan and it just didn't come off. It was if there was a game plan, it was try and counter attack. If anything, sit off him and wait for a mistake, of which there were plenty. Rochdale gave the ball away so much, and we never managed to capitalize on it. It was, yeah, I can't understand what, what the plan was for that game. It's almost like you could say that maybe this fear at home stems from him because he literally said in the Bristol Post, and I was really quite confused by this one, that everyone in League One struggles more 
at home and it's easier to play away which is a very strange statement and yeah. i don't really understand what he means by that but if the players are listening to that then it's no wonder that they're not putting on a performance at home <laughs> well what didn't we have it's a season excuse a season a couple of years ago where we had two away wins all season under daryl or mm. three and uh, we pretty much we finished mid-table because our home form was so great so yeah. again that's rubbish um you know i think it's just poor excuses and, and like met says we tried to counter-attack at home which is what we've been trying to do all season sit back against sides who were let's face it they are weaker than us because they're lower in the table and we we play like an away side at home, but they're also playing like an away side. So it's it's two sides that are just sitting back, trying to play on the counter, not pressing. And it just makes for a dull game of football. And, you know, nine times out of ten this season, we've been hit by a sucker punch because um, they're just better up front than us, generally. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the main things that stood out to me is because when I was watching the game, um, I did literally say to the person next to me that there was going to be a goal in the game. And then one minute later... Rochdale scored it now I'll be honest I did not expect Rochdale to be the ones that scored it I thought it would be us not necessarily deservingly so but I thought that the game still had it was open and I thought that we were going to nick the goal um Max where was the effort I mean you say about pressing there was no pressing no it's like they were on the holidays uh where's the effort I don't know yeah there was no effort at all the um the midfield two were Upson and Ollie Clark and Upson seemed to sort of sit in that holding uh, DM role and Ollie was trying to play box to box, but he wasn't really pressing them at all. And there were so many times where we would just drop us like a back six almost and let them play around us. And it's we're at home here against a side who have been in the relegation zone for most of the season and we're letting them play as much football as they want. Uh, Like we're not concerned at all by it. And it's, you know, it's embarrassing really because how many times, you know, sides like that, they're down there for a reason, and that's because they're not great on the ball. You press them, they're going to make mistakes. And they, they no were pressing. making mistakes as well. Yeah, without much pressure. So, you know, it's it, it's just beggar's belief. It's, it really is. A, you know, we missed a go-go, I think. Um, I don't know why he, he'd been dropped, um, probably for the formation change. Um, it was just, like you say, I don't know if they were on the holidays, but they, sh- they definitely shouldn't be because we're not safe mathematically. It definitely felt like a pre-season kind of like, nice warm weather everyone's kind of like getting warmed up or like kind of chilling out no one's really putting the effort in it really did feel like or like kind of last game of the season where no one's got anything to play for and everyone's just kind of wandering around it didn't really make any difference what the result would be but obviously it does make a massive difference to both teams it's bizarre max we changed the formation again a 4-4-2 of sorts and it didn't really work we've had concerns over graham tactically are you concerned um well it's hard to say because um we discussed last time that these aren't his players and he hasn't got the personnel he wants we've only really got one winger in the entire squad and that's Rodman Circum I don't know he's not really a natural winger um so it's hard to say um it's hard to say that he's tactically clueless he's obviously trying something different um because let's face it the diamond have been pretty crap for a few weeks now um, Coventry away it wasn't very good and uh, Bradford at home it was pretty dreadful um, we got got out of jail there so he was trying something different I did say that I hope we would change it up versus Wimbledon we changed we changed it up but we did play five at the back that didn't really work um, and then at home obviously we've changed to a four four two. so he is trying to be more attacking and get more width in the side which is something we've lacked 
Um, so, you know, I can't really argue with that because I, th- I think a lot of us did think that we we do need more width and he, he deserves credit for trying that, but I don't think he has the players to execute that. So um, it's, I, I'm actually a little bit encouraged that he's trying new things, but it's it, it's very difficult to judge with the players he's got because they're not his players and they're not, you know, to be honest, they're all crap. So <laughs> what, 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 what do you want me to say? That is a statement and a right. summary. A massive, um, yeah. I was I was going to say I th- I feel like he left it far too long to make a substitute Mets and in in terms of what you're saying Max he he was taking a risk he didn't really take a risk to change it during the game um, surely we needed to make a change earlier he was crying yeah. out for it especially since Nichols just well was missing and oh. and the changes he did make they weren't positive ones I don't think they made a difference at all do you Mets um, oh, he did he brought off um, Nichols quite late on didn't he for um... Is it Riley in the Riley, end? yeah. Which I would have rather seen Yukubiak uh, for that. I think watching Riley at Wimbledon, I don't really... I think he's much better off the bench. But I think Yukubiak's got just more about him, a bit more strength, a bit more direct. And he showed that when he, he kind of took on one of their players, megged him up, and I mean, he did get tackled immediately, but yeah. still... He's shown more in those 20 seconds than Nichols did the entire that's, game. That's literally what I said to the person next to me at, on the spot. I said, in that 10 seconds, I think I've seen more than I've seen from Nichols in three games. And that's yep. the, the sad thing here is I let's forget for one second that his previous form and let's assume that he deserves a start. But on merit of that game, what did we expect him to offer us, Max, that, he, that we weren't? I mean, goals. <laughs> We, he clearly wasn't getting involved in play. He wasn't touching the ball. He wasn't available at any point. Yakubiak comes on straight away. He's he got the ball a lot out wide. Why the hell wasn't Nichols getting the ball? Well, every time he got well, first off, every time someone plays the ball, to, well, I'd say about sixty percent of the time he's offside, which is mm. it's become a really really recurring theme the past few weeks, and it's really getting my goat now. Then when he does get the ball, he just completely falls over it and rugby tackles one of their players completely destroying the attack that we built up i mean i don't want to be too harsh but i am gonna be he's useless i mean if i was if i was graham i'd buy him out of his contract now and just let him go i, I really don't see any value in in him at all well i mean graham said some pretty ludicrous things uh over the january transfer window about kind of locking him up and keeping him away because everyone's going to be sniffing around and trying to buy him i'd lock him up um, in my basement i didn't know that haven't and waterlooville were able to purchase league one players that's all <laughs> i'm gonna say um yeah i mean that's that's one of my concerns with cufflin is he's he's put his backing into the players um but is he just doing that to get them going or is he actually serious when he says they're a good group and, and he talks as if they're going to be here for a while? I mean, if we retain the same group of players, Max, will the mental block continue? Yes. I mean, there's no magic magic curse that's going to be lifted just because the season ends and a new one begins. I really don't think... Um, well, I, for, for one, I don't think there is a mental block. I just think there's a complete lack of ability and um, these these players don't play well together. So um, if we retain the same core, I think we'll struggle again, yeah, easily. Um, yeah. I saw something on Twitter where someone basically said this was one of the worst squads we've ever had. But I just want to put it out there that I completely disagree with that statement, right? If you, If you look at the players one by one, I'll agree that the balance of the squad pretty poor and if that's what they mean fair enough i'm being harsh but if you look at man for man ed upson's better than any quality 
player we had when we went down from League Two. I mean, that side was dross. Yeah, the there League is, One there relegation is individual well. quality, but as a team, they don't play well together, and the squad is so unbalanced that we can only really play one formation. I mean, we've got one winger in the squad for God's sakes, you know, and our fullbacks, uh, well, our right back options are very limited. I don't think Partington's any good going forwards. James Clark's just a stay at home. And Leadbit has been missing since October. So, you know, there's no... You know, we're missing... We've got a big hole at right back, really, in terms of quality. We've got one winger. And we've got one striker who can put it in the net. And the midfielder's all over the place with about 20 different styles of centre mids. So... Mm. None of them create. none of them create. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as well. They're all hard workers. Yeah. So it's it's a bad, imbalanced squad. And there is individual quality, but... We need a we need a clear out and a refresh. I think massively. I mean that's obvious to see. Mets when Johnson is off his game, we're off our game. Um, we've said before that we are at risk of becoming a one man team. Are we a one man team? Yeah, I mean we... he was off form on Saturday. Uh, whenever we played Monday, <laughs> um, he's entitled to not be on red hot form every game. We couldn't score without him. No, we're Johnson Clark Harris FC, and it's not just you know his goals. Obviously, they're massive, but even when he's not on his game, as in like winning headers and holding up the ball, and kind of everything goes through him. So if he's not on it, then we're not on it. And the last two games, he hasn't been. So we haven't been. It's kind of it's a direct correlation in that way. It's it that all that's all we are at the moment is Johnson Clark Harris FC. How worrying is that? Oh, very. When he's not on form, like we've seen past two games, then we're not going to score goals. We're not going to attack teams. Best we can hope is for a, a Coventry nil-nil. But, but to be fair, probably another draw. At, if we can get a draw out of Fleetwood and Barnsley, we're probably safe anyway. So it's oh. not too much of a concern at the moment, but it is for next season, especially if uh, he attracts interest from higher up the pyramid. Then we're at, who are we, FC? We're, we're no one. And do you back Cufflin to be able to pull another rabbit out of the hat in terms of massive six-foot strikers? <laughs> pull a six-foot striker out of the hat, if you we will. Do, we haven't got a crystal ball, have we? It's an unknown, it's an unknown entity. Um, the only thing we can do is wait and see and have a little bit of faith in Coughlin. He's brought in two seemingly decent players. Um, let's just have a bit of faith. I mean, what else can we do? You know, is, is that or we roll the dice and sack Coughlin and bring in Paul Hurst or someone and just completely have a you know Paul Buckle style clear out? Which may work, it may not work. But if we keep him, it may work, it may not work. We, it's, you know, there's no, you know, there's no consistency because we've got a new manager. It's all new still. You know, it's not like we've got Daryl and we've no, we know the kind of squad he's got and what he's trying to build. We do need to start over, and whether it's with Coughlin or someone else, it's not really going to matter, and we're not going to know if it's going to be any good. So we just have to sort of ride it out. I think. Do we know if Widrington can recommend players that are not from Coventry or related to him or related to him? Um, as I believe, uh, he has some kind of clause where he can't recommend players he's recommended to Coventry or something like that. So he sort of may have had to scout other players, but um, in the short time he's been here, scouting from scratch, maybe not. I don't know. I think um, I think I saw Graham said that they had been scouting far and wide and wanted to get their business done early, and I hope that. Didn't we have some overseas scouts at one point? We did, Darryl? and they, he's currently sat on the bench next to Graham, Brian Dutton. Doing, yeah. so, um, <laughs> Doing well, isn't he? Yeah, so I don't think he's uh, he's scouring the uh, 
Europe as we hoped. Also, yeah. every summer we say, like it were, like Daryl or whoever will just say, yeah, we want to get our business done early. Every single manager in every single league wants to get their business done early. And realistically, we're bottom of the food chain. So we're not going to, we're waiting on other deals to fall through before we can get who we want. So, and then we so. get the Hamer uh, Bristol Post <laughs> thing where we're we're all at work and we all open our browser in the bottom corner and we kind of check who, who Rovers signed then. And it's Hamer saying... It's really hard to sign players in the summer. And then in January, we are all looking in the bottom right corner and it says, it's really hard to sign players in January. When is it easy to sign players? Well, one thing I did want to bring up, um, it's really disappointing that we're still in this relegation battle and that the games actually matter because it would have been nice to blood some youth, Max. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Wow. I, I have been itching to see Kilgore get some game time and... Dion Moore get into the first team um, and uh, Reese Kavanagh and Lewis Lee Gilchrist because, you know, there's some real quality in our youth squad um, out on loan and it's been really impressive since we've set up that under-23s development side. You only need to look at Michael Kelly coming into the first team this season to see what an impact it can have um, and how much it can, you know, give you depth um, for very little money. So, you know, it, it is a massive shame that, that if we aren't going to be able to do that and I would like to think that... After the Fleetwood game, um, we will be safe. Um, we may lose and still be four points clear, uh, which hopefully is the outcome. And then for that Barnsley game, um, Barnsley will probably need to win it, but it w- would be good to maybe start Kilgore in that game um, alongside Craig or alongside Lockyer, maybe in a back three. Um, and then bring Moore or Kavanagh off the bench because um, let's be honest, our other strikers, Nichols and Chikubiak and Riley, have not exactly been physically effective on the game themselves so maybe give Dion Moore a go let him bully a few defenders or Reese Kavanagh because he's, he's a really good finisher at Newport he scored a ridiculous amount of goals for their under 18s and he did for our um, development side as well so yeah some exciting talent um, be good to get them some game time but if I'm honest I would not be shocked if he ended up starting Sinclair against um, <laughs> against Barnsley and then just not subbing anyone all game it is disappointing that we failed to fail to get ourselves out of it because I remember Daryl did the same last season, um, blooded a few youngsters, and yes. it's really the only no opportunity you'll get to to actually expose them to our deadly home atmosphere, and uh, <laughs> you know hopefully get that monkey off their back early. But um, let's move on from Rochdale. I'm sure you're all, everyone listening. I'm sure you're in a very positive mood now. Um, sorry about that. Uh, we'll move on to your questions. Um, first one's from Ollie Louchley. Louchy, sorry. Um, Basically just says, too many samey players. Clark ups and a go-go in the middle. Great at breaking up play, but a lack of creativity. Um, I should add at this point that we received three other questions that in some way or another alluded to the absence of Chris Lines. Um, Mets? Yeah, um, I'm not overly upset about Lines missing out. I really, although we are crying out for that creative player, I don't think that is Chris Lines. I think he's more of a... I'd kind of Gerard in his later years sit on the back four and try and spray passes. Um, the creativity you'd want to be coming from Circum, who's been massively off his game. But I, I do agree with the question that we've have, like Max said earlier, a lot of the same players in midfield, and we do need a number ten that can unlock defenses. Because um, so many times, pretty much every game that you listed earlier, uh, where we come unstuck like a Wickham. Um, it's just crying out for someone to be able to unlock a defence when teams sit back. We've struggled so much against teams who just 
defend. They just come to nick a point or maybe nick a... Or nick, nick three a at this, <laughs> this Yeah, season. yeah. So, yeah, I, I massively agree. So it goes back again to the recruitment and the unbalanced nature of the squad. It's, um, it's a, a recurring theme. Max, how are you feeling about the central midfield options? I mean, you, you mentioned Sinclair. That wasn't even mentioned in the question, but Sinclair is another one yeah, that's just a break-up. Fits the mould, exactly. I, I disagree massively well. with what you were saying about lines. I think we've been really missing him. Um, and I think the, the key thing with lines is, you're right, he's changed his game, but that's because Daryl told him to change his game. He wanted him to get more stuck in, win more tackles, um, do that side of the game, and be a more balanced central midfielder. Um, and that was good because Lines was playing in a two-man, three-man midfield quite a lot of the time. But in this diamond, I think the diamond is built for Lines, and I think he would be far more effective at attacking mid than Circum has been. Um, I think Lines loves to drive drive into the box. Uh, we've been missing that for months and months, and he doesn't have to worry about the defensive side of it. He doesn't have to run up and down and have the fitness of that he did in his youth he doesn't need to because we're playing three rugged centimeters behind him now so he should be able to have the freedom to attack as a number 10 and I think there's no one else who could I'm not gonna say the lines is going to be the best number 10 in in the division but it's better than playing playing like you know a a rugged center mid there we need someone with a bit of drive a bit of flair and you know the experience to do that and I think lines I don't see why he's out the squad because I think he'd be far more effective than what we've got currently. I can't really argue with that, actually. To be fair, that's a very good rebuttal. There we go. I like the statement. Not just a pretty lines, face. lines is made for the diamond. I like that. Um, I don't know what to say to that, Max. You've really blown me away with that. That was quite a passionate speech. I've seen a lot on Twitter uh, in defense of Lines, and I have to say that I... I wasn't necessarily missing him as much as everyone else, but you've kind of you've played that side very well. I think I think everyone will be clapping you as they listen to this. Thank you. Um, let's move on to the next question. Um, Hibsy thirty seven, playing at home in front of a passionate crowd is supposed to be a huge advantage, isn't it? <laughs> um, has it about us been throughout eighteen nineteen? We've been an easy three points to visitors. Is the pitch too good? Yeah, make it make it like a cabbage patch again. That's you know teams didn't know how to play football on it then. At least we had a chance. It was a level, level in the playing field at that point. Um, and James Monteith added, "We play like the away team." Yeah, yeah, we sort of brushed on that a little bit. I think we try and counter too much, um, and we don't control games, um, and we seem to just we try and play the long ball too much. I think because we've got no real quality in central midfield, so. Yeah, we seem to want to counter rather than control possession and keep the ball. I didn't know our possession stats, but watching the game, it felt like Rochdale had a lot more of the ball than we did first half. massively, yeah. But we haven't really... The thing is, if you're going to play the counter, you've got to take your chances because realistically, you're going to get two, maybe three a game. And if you do get that chance to to break, you need ball carriers who are going to make the right decisions. And too often, our ball carrier is Tom Nichols who will run full face into a defender or make completely the wrong decision. So it, it doesn't work in that way. Um, going direct, I think we should dig that dig up the pitch. Just make it completely like a cabbage patch and just go long to JCH every single time because for the last what home game against Barnsley, I reckon do that. And Tony Craig would be brilliant on that pitch. You know he would. Yeah, he would. <laughs> Tear <laughs> it up. I'm going to slightly... Shorts are never white. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to slightly... That could be misconstrued. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to slightly spike off that question and say, is it acceptable for us to be playing on the counter at home? In terms of... I mean, I know everyone says it's a results game, and if we're winning, no one's going to complain. But are you okay being a team that's aiming to essentially counter teams at home? Y- yeah, if it works, but it doesn't. So, no. Yeah, I'm with Max. If you're playing Luton at home or, you know, you're playing someone big in the cup, realistically, you you are the away team. There's no two ways about it. But if you're playing Rochdale or Wickham, you should be going out and trying to, well, like I said last week, we should be trying to press them and kill them. Because like you said earlier, they made mistakes completely unforced. Their keeper had a simple pass back and he booted it up in the air and then caught it. It nearly went in, bizarrely. How we didn't get an indirect free kick for that was ridiculous anyway, but... Just pressure them. Like you mm. said, they're down there for a reason. Pressure them. And this tactical talk leads on to the next question uh, from Dan J. Ball. Do we think GC is the right man to take us forward or is it too soon to tell? I'll put my my opinion straight out there and say I think it's probably too soon to tell. Max? I would agree, yeah. I, I'll allude to what I said earlier in that it's an unknown quantity. Um, um, we just don't know, do we? So... We're just going to have to wait and see, I think. We'll roll the dice and get someone else in. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't like the idea of rolling the dice at this point. I think it's better than devil you know. And also, the other thing is that GC's record is fantastic, whichever way you look at it. It's really good. So I think he deserves a transfer window, at least till kind of next January. Mm-hmm. If, we're, if we're in the shit and we're playing rubbish football, then yeah, bid him off and get someone else. But I think he, he's earned that, definitely. I feel yeah. like he could, he if whatever he's going to try and do attacking-wise and tactically attacking to score goals, I feel like if we don't get the results we want and we start losing games, he can make us hard to beat again. And he knows how to do that as a central defender. And we've seen, we've seen him make us hard to beat this season. So I think he's got a good fullback plan to make us robust if all else fails. So that, you know, like you say, better the devil you know, at least we know that we can grind out the results maybe if we need to if if the attacking plan doesn't doesn't all go smoothly next yeah. season plus if like like we said before about the imbalanced squad if we did get one or two players in key positions we can be much more of an attacking threat so we've already got the defensive solidity i think even if we had the same back four for next season i, th- I know craig's getting on a bit i wouldn't be overly fussed with like kilgore coming through and Manese still to come back I'm not too worried about getting reinforcements in that area. It's obviously the forward line. So if we did get players that could hold up the ball at the other end and score, then we're not we're not far off really being like a at least a mid-table team if not pushing for the playoffs, I'd say. With our budget we should that's, be That's mid-table. a massive shout actually. I've realized I just <laughs> said that, but you've seen it in my eyes that I was stunned yeah. by the by the claim. Well, I mean, the first season we came up um, from League 2 we were pushing we had yeah. a good squad though very good squad. very good squad mm. and it would be hard to match that one especially for the money that they were being paid because yeah. they're all all of the good ones are now being paid a lot more somewhere else unfortunately yes um, well that's a depressing end to that thank you Dan <laughs> <laughs> so I think we all agree essentially that Graham needs to have a chance now but we're not completely convinced that it will be the right choice but we're all willing to give him a go so well what else can we do so is give him a go or give someone else a go it's all a big unknown so what mm. the hell at this point i'm beyond caring let's just <laughs> <laughs> thanks again for sending in those questions and uh i'm pushing max over the edge um if yours wasn't read out don't be sad i've i've 
put a few away for the end of season. You know, we need these things to talk about in, over the break. Um, moving on to the player spotlight, quite a brief one. Um, we've already touched upon him. This week, Ed Upson. Um, we picked this one because, well, because we knew it would stir up a debate. Um, personally, on Saturday, I don't think he was particularly bad. In fact, I thought he broke up play reasonably well. Um, Max, what kind of player is Ed Upson? He's a CDM for me. That's where he's best. Um, I think he played midfield two, midfield three quite a lot under Daryl, and he's just not got the touch for it. His his control is is not the best. He just seems to. Be, like, I, I alluded it to earlier in the season when I said his second touch is often a tackle or a foul. Um, but at the CDM role, he's got a bit more space. He's got a bit more time. He seems to like to chest it down and, and offload or um, get his head on it and get some distance on it. And I think that's if we're playing him in that role, he's useful. Um, but playing him, playing him in any other role, maybe not so. So I think he's got his uses. I don't know what kind of wage he's on, if he's going to be worth that, if he's going to just be doing that role. But um, yeah, I think he was okay. He's he was been he's been good in recent weeks. I don't think he's been bad. He's certainly not been one of our worst players. Um, he's probably been one of our better players. Um, but that's not really saying much, if I'm honest. They've all been pretty <laughs> pretty lacklustre. But yeah, you know, Ed is he's he's a six out of ten at the minute, isn't he? I don't think he's anything special, but he's not anything really bad. Does he get in your starting lineup, Mets? Yeah, every week. Um I think I agree with Max in that defensively, I think we all said when he signed we were all a bit and actually the first kind of what, maybe two, three months of the season we were like, Oh well, we're not sure what kind of player he is and I think defensively is his strongest suit and I think he does break up play really well and I think he can distribute it really well as well. Um for a CDM especially. For a CDM, yeah. Maybe not if he was focused in a in the front of a diamond, but for a defensive midfielder. Yeah. He's got Do a you pass. think Mets, do you think he needs better centre mids around him? Um I think all of them do. Well yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think we need better players in the team? <laughs> um, no, do do you think like um like a formation where ups in a CDM and then we have two centre mids who whose sole role is to get the ball and create. Do you think that would be good? Yeah. Or do you think we need a box-to-box like Ollie Clark still there? No, no. I think he would play better if whenever he breaks up pay, play, he can look up and see two, three options immediately because he is quite clever in that way. He will pick the best option. So, and he rarely, well, rarely-ish um, puts a pass astray. I think he's really good in like kind of keep on all possession. So, and he seems like a good egg. Like I haven't really seen him be pissy on the pitch or anything. He just seems quite chill. Egg Upson. Egg Upson, yeah. At least a joke for you there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, God. Not intentional, uh, but we'll take it. Yeah, we'll have that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think he's a good addition to the squad. I, I agree with you. If he's on massive wages, then we can certainly do better for the position. But if he's on... Not too much. I think I'd... I think he is on a fair bit. No. He was Daryl's number one summer target, I think. So he got him in straight but, away, but didn't he? But he did come from relegated MK Dons. So yeah, but they wonder... pay big wages. <sighs> yeah, I think he he snapped him up straight away, didn't he? As soon as the window opened. But then mm. we didn't sign anyone for like a month and a half after that. I remember praising it because he was he was one of those obvious players to sign, to be honest. Yeah. He's got history down this area, so you knew that he'd be willing to move here. Um and he's done very well in the past. I mean, he's played in the championship, albeit he's been relegated from the championship. But there's a lot of good players that have been relegated from the championship. Um, 
disappointing really overall but he is getting better i think yeah yeah well, i think time will tell if um would you keep he... him next season and give him that time yeah i i probably would although to be honest i was saying to you earlier i'd probably get rid of every single player in our squad bar jch and uh, just shake it up again because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really don't think that we could do much worse in terms of balance as a squad um yeah i i i keep upson I would, I would keep him. He Mets. does, he does a good, a yeah, good I keep job. Him. Yeah, definitely, I keep him as well. Well, considering you, you'd imagine Sinks might be, he'll be gone. I think Sinks. Yeah, considering he hasn't really played that much, I'd love it if he was player coach, like fitness coach or something like that. I, I just want him around the club, really. I'd like him to just kind of walk around outside the stadium on a match day and hand out samples of sausage rolls and stuff. You mean just, just like, be a catering staff? Just a, just anything, anything you need. Like I, th- I think just just to have his presence in amongst it, you know, yeah. see his gorgeous flowing locks. Have you seen his Avon Tires um, poster with him on it? I will never get tired of it. That's a very bad joke. No, I'm not even going to laugh oh, at that. Jesus. Um, Took yeah, me too long to get that. If you've not well. seen it, there's a there's a big banner um, over by the up. What's what's it called? Uplands Town. I don't know what's called these days. The big one, the only <laughs> stand we've got. Poplar insulation That's the stand. One. Yeah, the entrance to that stand uh, and terrace um, has got this massive Avon Tires banner now, which has got Sinclair coming out of some kind of nineteen um, forties uh, re- re- remastered nineteen forties car um, with his arm around a very attractive young lady, um, whilst himself wearing uh, a Hugh Hefner um, dinner jacket. Um, and and he's not looking at the lady. He's looking back at the car, like, "Ooh, that's a very nice car." Even though he's just got out of it, um, admiring the tires from Avon Tires. <laughs> um, and it's yeah, it's a really good. Ab- I've just I've just ordered some new tires from Avon Tires now, just off the back of Boom, that. So. There we go. Well, to be honest, in. I think it was more likely just a picture of him arriving at the awards evening. There is also one of Tom uh, Tom Broad Tom Broadbent getting out of um, a, a car looking like an ASOS model. So. He, he, literally he literally is, is an yeah. ASOS model. Did you not know that? I knew he was a model. I didn't know he was ASOS. He is an yeah. ASOS model, <laughs> yeah, specifically. I have actually found him on there whilst looking for T-shirts. So, I'm sure, uh, don't um, Avon Tires have a calendar? Because I'm sure I've seen him in the calendar as well. Tom Broadbent, specifically. You have an Avon Tires calendar? I, I, <laughs> sure, I saw it somewhere. It must have been in the club because they must have been given them out everywhere. But I'm sure I saw Tom, Bro- Tom Broadbent in an Avon Tires calendar. Well, well, that's your lot for the Ed Upson spotlight. Like, <laughs> glad, we, glad we really dived into that one. Um, let's focus on the next two games um, in this mathematically possible relegation battle, as I'll call it. It's a bit of a mouthful, though. Um, two games remain to ensure our survival in League One. Fleetwood away on Saturday, and then the following Saturday, Barnsley at home. Neither particularly easy. Uh, Mets, surely we have to be realistically looking at Fleetwood away as our best chance for anything. Yeah, yeah. Now they can't they can't hit playoffs. Their their season's over. So if that's our main kind of uh, game for points, really. And if we can nick a point there, fantastic. Joey Barton might be in prison by then, so that'd be nice. Um, and Barnsley, yeah, obviously, is at this point. I'm calling it as a complete write off. It's another Millwall. They've sold out their allocation. They're trying to get this all ticket. And one of their fans back in I think January bought. Uh, supporters club membership for £10 so that he could guarantee getting a ticket in the home end for the last game of the season 
well, not guarantee, obviously it goes down the tiers, but that's mm. how sure this bloke was or wanted to make sure that he had a ticket for what is potentially their promotion party. Max? Yes. Do you think we've got any chance against Fleetwood? No. Do you think we've got any chance against Barnsley? No. All right. Well, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> I'll, um, I'll elaborate. Uh, <laughs> um, Fleetwood, they've got nothing to play for, have they? Um, they're going to be relaxed. They're going to be maybe playing some youth players, but also maybe just seeing it as a bit of a, you know, it's our last home game of the season. Let's give the fans a good show. Um, they're going to be a relaxed, confident style of play, whereas we need... what well, we do, I think we'll be all right regardless. Um but, you know, we'll be going for that point. So I think we'll be quite open at the back, maybe. Um, and we haven't been great lately. So, yeah, I, I'm not really expecting anything against either game. Barnsley, you know, they absolutely trounced Plymouth 4-0. Um, could have been a lot more as well. Yeah, could it? Yeah, I watched the highlights earlier. It was an Lime. absolute massacre. Yeah, so I'm not looking forward to that one. I won't, I'm actually not going to be going because I can't be asked to see the players walking around the, the pitch at the end of the game after we've stayed up by one point. And uh, all the all the people staying and clapping them, I'm going to be so angry if I'm, if I'm there. So okay. I don't think I'm going to go. I think uh, it's my granddad's. Um, it's his fifth. It's his eightieth birthday, so we're going out. So um, you yeah. have really triggered recently, haven't you? There's certainly um, a change in your. Um, yeah, I want. Is everything all right with you? Because today you've been really depressed. I'm f- I'm fine. I'm just a little bit fed up of of Rovers, to be honest. At the minute, I think it's someone next to me put it perfectly. Um, at, it's death by a thousand cuts. You know, it's just one thing after another and it's just, uh, I'm just ready for the summer break now, you know. Recharge your batteries, yeah, as Daryl said. I'll, nice I'll be giving it the R and come August. Um, I'm but pretty right, sure I heard you giving it the R on Saturday about three times. It was a very angry R, yeah. but I did give it the R, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think I'm just a little bit, it's been a long season and when, when you've had 13 home defeats in all competitions, it does start to grind you down when, you know, you go into the Mem and I think like 60, 70% of the time you're losing... 10% of the time you're drawing and 15% of the time you're winning it's gets pretty gets pretty boring pretty fast and pretty does grind your gears a bit and that, that Rochdale game just sort of like was you know sort of I didn't wouldn't say it pushed me over the edge but it was just like well that sums up our season you could see it coming a mile off and I'm just a bit negative about the club on and off the pitch at the minute and I think a lot of fans probably feel the same but just looking forward to the summer now it's a shame there's no England. Sounds World like you Cup need the summer. Yeah, no. massively. What What are your thoughts on the next two games in half? Uh, I don't like half, by the way. <laughs> I My name is Harv. Yeah. Uh, we're not We're not doing that. Um, <laughs> no one's calling me half. Um, basically, I think we'll be fine even if we lose both of them. Yeah. Um, I've actually written down that it was a loaded point, but and it's essentially definitely going to bite me on the ass. But we will be fine even with zero points. And honestly, I think. I think we'll probably get one point and it'll be Fleetwood. Um, I think Barnsley, actually, as you alluded to, it's another Millwall. I think it'll be a blinding game. I've got a feeling. I think it's going to be glorious sunshine. Barnsley are going to struggle at the start. You know, they're nervous and we've, we'll capitalise, but they'll just absolutely trounce us in the second half. And I think it'll be enjoyable to watch their limbs, to be honest, without the worry that we're going down because we'll have the have the point from Fleetwood. So... um and it's a half yeah. five well, we kickoff. could lose we could lose the Fleetwood game and and um, mathematically be safe because all we need it is for it to be three points clear. Um, mm. So if we lose that game, you know, results going our going against us, we could still be three points clear, which with our goal difference would be enough. So, just a quick we'll show see. straw poll, safe. I say safe. Mets. 
I say safe. Yeah, I'll be safe, and the bookies think we will at 250 to 1 as well, so I've stuck a tenner on that just to make... <laughs> if we do go down, I'll have a nice two and a half grand in my pocket, so <laughs> not to... Um... And it might cheer you up. It cheer me up for a little bit, yeah. We'll pay for my season ticket for about uh, eight years, so... Finally, are we all team relegate Plymouth? Yes. No. I said last time, didn't I? And you were like, oh, that's a brave shout. Now who's laughing? Look. It's got to be Plymouth to go, surely, Matt. No. If you don't want... It's hilarious to watch Derek Adams go. I think it will go to that last game, Plymouth v Scunthorpe. I think loser goes down out of that. Yeah, I think it, it looks like tickets? it definitely will. <laughs> I want to watch it somewhere. Get it on the iFollow if we can. Yeah, that'd be mint. Um, but I think Argyle, have, I'll have enough. Um, plus, I mean, I do like Plymouth as an away day. I mean, I used to live there, so I'm massively biased. But it's a lovely place, I think. I know a lot of people disagree, but I think it's a great away day. I really enjoy it. So, and it's much better than Scunthorpe, where what have you got outside Scunthorpe? One pub and a KFC. They've got crap fans as well, they don't sing. No, there was... Remember that one... Remember the f- um, first game of the season? Dead silent, wasn't it? Yeah. And Dead silent. You yeah, know when Taylor put us 1-0 up. Was that when Van Veen scored for yeah. them? So that game was... Um, yeah, the atmosphere was great. I'd never known an away end to sing for 90 minutes like that. It was brilliant. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, it was big party atmosphere. But I, I thought, like, maybe the sound didn't travel very well. But no, the minute they scored, they equalised, the whole place erupted. And I was like, oh, jeez. I didn't realise <laughs> they, they could make that much noise. Like, yeah. Whereas our so goal is, you know, it's local-ish. There's a bit of a atmosphere a bit of attention I, I really like it as an away day it's one of my faves I can't be dealing with Derek Adams again that <laughs> me mad he's got to be getting the sack scene though surely I think so must be right we've anyway, descended on to talking about Plymouth's managerial thanks for listening to Tanner's cast <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah Janice sorry that is all Jana from us cast, yeah. uh, in the final episode the final regular episode of the season uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening this season as much as we've enjoyed making it. Um, I'm saying this as if we're not going to be putting more out, but there will be content, so don't worry. We plan things. Um, if you have any ideas for things you'd want to see over the summer... <laughs> just saying, like, saying, we've got plenty we've got... of ideas. If you have any ideas, yeah. please you, get yeah. in touch. I, I'm, I may be overly <laughs> portraying this confidence. Uh, we're not that confident. Literally anything. <laughs> we'll anything, anything at this point. Anything. Yeah. Um, we're going to rely solely on stadium rumours, so uh, we'll see you next February. <laughs> be sure to follow us on social media, subscribe via your podcast player of choice. Uh, thanks for listening, and up the gas. Up the gas. Bristol Rovers fans podcast.